This is Off the Tone, Season Verbal Fellatio on Love, Spirituality, and Everything in Between. This is my home of unfiltered musings from a girl that's always Brooklyn, Caribbean-rooted, sarcasm-driven, intellectually, and spiritually guided. Step inside my world, my casually unfiltered world, and let's get into things. What's good, good people? Hey, y'all. What's going on? It's your girl, Kimmy Michelle, and I'm back with another episode of Off the Tone, Season Verbal Felicia. So if you're new set a podcast fit. This is where I share a lot of my personal thoughts as well as experiences and I couple them with a few things. A couple of actual factuals, some wisdom, some insight. We do a little bit of everything. And I've been coming with a lot of intense, heavy-hitting episodes centered around not working through things in a healthy manner. And I felt like it might be a good time to like circle back to how I even got to a space of active healing. Healing is a journey way more than it is a destination. And I think it's so important that as you go through your own journeys, you grant yourself grace if a healed cut opens. Because so many people tend to make healing seem like a destination instead, I found it really easy for people to be subsequently super hard on themselves because something, anything will prompt a trigger. And it's no different than when you physically reopen a wound that closed or if something that is healing gets infected, right? Because you treat the immediate concern And then you treat the underlying condition. And trust me, there is always an underlying condition. Pin that thought for now. You know how we do. I'm going to circle back. Ready? All right, boom. So I've talked before about a lot of things regarding my past, mostly relationship-driven. And I talk about how much self-esteem played a role in me ending up in some of the relationship spaces that I found myself in. And I have a tendency to circle myself back to my last relationship before I went full-blown on my spiritual journey and subsequently realized That healing and wanting better for myself also meant that it was a whole lot harder to call a dude at 3.30 in the a.m. to get your black blown out. (laughs) Not gonna lie, I high-key wish I had taken a couple more rides on the merry-go-penis, swing from a couple of chandeliers and things before I hung the saddle up. But let me stay focused, though. I just had to get that out, all right? (laughs) But I find myself going back to that relationship in particular because a lot of pivotal and in some cases life-changing things happened during the course of that relationship 
that actually shaped my development from then on out. Let me go forward to go backwards. No, really, forward then backwards. So, when I started the podcast originally, y'all have been rocking since the beginning. You know that I started off talking about wanting to be high maintenance as fuck and how I got to that space. And I remember when one of my closest friends listened to that podcast in particular, and they told me that they really love it, particularly because it exposed people to a side of me that most don't get to see, a vulnerable me. Time out. (laughs) Most people don't get to see me vulnerable. What? Well, I mean... I ain't finna be boohooing all over everyone's timeline or nothing like that, right? But I'm an open book, heart on my sleeve, etc., etc., right? So as I sat with that thought, it echoed a sentiment that my ex and I talked about during the brief space when we reconnected, just as friends, y'all, calm down, during the Panini Press. And one of the things that we discussed was the fact that he recognized that I would work instead of actually dealing with how I was feeling about some shit. And the revelation struck me as really interesting because we'd never once talked anything about my work habits or even anything that remotely resembled this revelation. Then again, my ex was known for his observational skills. He could sit there the whole night, laugh and joke with you, sing along to whatever was playing, and then sum up to me during our personal time or in a text or phone call after whether a person liked or disliked me, had my best interest at heart, was either secretly envious or in awe. He was really good at this and he was never wrong. Not once. So when he said all that to me, all I could do was laugh, especially because I myself had a similar revelation about me a few months prior to that conversation, almost to the day. If you've been rocking with me since the beginning, you may even remember me talking about my revelation a couple of episodes back, complete with astrological backing. It was just very befitting for it to come up now. It also made me think about something that one of my Reiki sisters shared with me about how she viewed me. So over the course of my life, I've always been painted as strong, resilient. I apparently have an uncanny ability to dust myself off, feel free to insert in the face of adversity here and keep going. It's a quality that many apparently envy. It's also a quality that doesn't really give me the space for grace for myself at times or the ability to best heal. And this is something that I've been thinking about more and more as I've been A, working on healing and two, working on transitioning to a softer life. (laughs) In the appearance of quote unquote, effortlessly climbing back on the horse, Do I appear so invincible, so strong, air quotes, that me being vulnerable seems unlikely? So, 
for shits and giggles and for the sake of the conversation, let's take a second and define vulnerable. Merriam-Webster, the usual go-to for definitions aside from Oxford Dictionary, defines it as capable of being physically or emotionally wounded, end quote. I think that everyone has fallen into this category at one point or another in their lifetime, right? Everyone has emotional wounds. Everyone. Everybody. Whether these wounds are theoretically paper cut size or we need staples for this one size cuts. The fact remains that we've all been emotionally wounded at one point or another, period, point blank. Argue with your mama, don't argue with me. (laughs) Now, (laughs) the key to this is usually rooted in what we do when we are emotionally wounded, how we react to the wound, which leads me to how people generally interpret vulnerability, which in many cases is just as important as how it's defined. So. Going back to what I said about before about boohooing all over everyone's timeline, many people view vulnerability as them being able to outwardly see your struggle, about being able to see that it's not easy and that you despair like they do, which I do. I absolutely do. But it's what you choose to do when in those moments of despair, though, that's where it gets dicey. And as I began to grow and heal, you're going to hear me say heal a lot. I realized that when people were talking about being vulnerable, what it really meant was, I want you to stay here with me so we can lament together. Because in their eyes, being vulnerable really equates to staying comfortable It's less about being vulnerable, about being emotionally wounded, and more about allowing that emotional wound to keep you in the same space. And this is not even a criticism because I realize that some people don't even know they're doing it because they don't realize it's an emotional wound that needs healing. Like they don't even know they're cut. So for example, say you were bullied as a child. Big or small, big bullied or small bullied. And say it was about something silly, right? Like you had shoes from Payless, which is a big deal in the hood, right? Versus a pair of Jordans or some Chris Uptowns. Because no you didn't want no one to know that you were poor, right? And so as a result, you might grow up and decide to wear nothing but the highest quality clothes and shoes on the planet as you got older. And you might even say that it's just because it's quality, right? But you don't even realize, or maybe you don't care to acknowledge, that it's because your inner child is still upset because you were teased about your payless sneakers or shoes. And true T, let me just pause the script for a hot second because I feel like this needs to be said. I got like 10 pairs of payless heels in my closet. I ain't ashamed to say it. Payless heels, when they was, when they was on it, they was on it especially that new collection payless is back now but it's not the same we're just not gonna talk about that but ain't nothing wrong with a good payless shoe some of them were really very well made and i have had some of them for the past 10 years easily in fact some of them have lasted longer than my quote-unquote high quality shoes but you know what we ain't go that's a (laughs) that's a conversation for another time y'all let me not let me not get the shoe warriors ignited. <laughs> but anyway, within that, right, there are a lot of people who say things like 
that built character. I'm good. But are you really though? I said that with my whole face. I'm gonna circle back to that. But are you really though? Legit pin that. These are also the people who use their emotional wounds as a crutch. And let me just say this first, because I don't think that we talk about this enough, especially as it pertains to mental health. Saying that everyone has access to therapy does not really mean that everyone has access to therapy. Like real talk. There are legitimate socioeconomic boundaries for significant cross-sections of American society. Actual millions of people who receive the bare minimum as it relates to general medical care simply because they make too little or too much to move out of their income bracket into a better one so that they can receive better care. And as a result, their access to decent mental health professionals is limited. And then the decent ones that have sliding scale systems, they still can't afford. And yes, this definitely includes quote unquote middle-class people. Not to mention the stigma still surrounding seeking therapy to begin with or the unwillingness to recognize depression, PTSD, deep-seated emotional wounds as a quote-unquote real illness. That's another topic for another time though. Don't get me riled up on mental health. But yes, as a crutch. There are those that have reached the space in their lives where they've been wounded so often that they've given up in that area of their lives or maybe even in all areas and they choose to live life by rote as a result because doing anything more than that is scary as fuck. Maybe they caught themselves being vulnerable to people who lacked the capacity to hold the space for them that they needed held and as a result they ain't doing that no more done deal you might categorize them as the i help everyone but no one helps me when i need it people so ready for some hard truths i so boom because this was me once there are two distinct sides and spaces to this first side i help everyone Why are you helping everyone? No, really. Did everyone ask for your help? Or did you assume that because they came to you in a space of vulnerability that they needed help and didn't know how to ask for it? And then let me guess, they came back, right? And you gave and gave and gave. And then one day you needed help. So you went to them and they didn't help you. Why do you think that is? Are you sure it's not that you needed to be needed? That you need to be the one in control so that no one knows that you too can be vulnerable? And then here's the other part. You sure that it's not that you lack the ability to establish proper boundaries? So that when you genuinely are being kind, that you aren't being taken advantage of? The other side, but no one helps me when I need it. Are you asking people that can actually help you? That actually have the capacity to help you? Or are you asking people who deep down you know full damn well that they can't help? 
so that you can remain in martyrdom role and not truly ever be vulnerable, not ever truly let your guard down. What do I say? What do I always say, actually? When you trust no one, you end up trusting the wrong people. Is it really that you don't trust yourself to let go and be caught? To let someone pick up the armor in your defense on your behalf? Because that's truly being vulnerable. And I'm here to tell you something else. Ready? If you're doing it to avoid being emotionally wounded, I hate to break it to you. But you can't really avoid being hurt somehow. I know we all wish we could. Because that's the easy response, right? If you continue to be in control and you never let anyone pass your defenses and you always keep your guard up and by proxy your peace, can nobody hurt you and you're never vulnerable, right? Except you're not actually at peace, beloved. And trust me, I know this from personal experience. Unhealed emotional damage leads to physical damage eventually. Do you know what it is to be on guard 24-7? To always be holding your breath, waiting for the other shoe to drop, in the hopes of never being vulnerable? To always be in hiding from potential wounds? Ever get up from the bed in the morning and your muscles are sore, especially the ones at the base of your neck? Ever feel the ache in your bones? The tension headache? Those are all side effects of unhealed emotional wounds. Are you willing to continue hurting yourself in order to avoid having anyone else hurt you? These are all things I did for a long time. And guess what? I would work myself into such a tizzy, into such a space that my proverbial back would end up against the wall and I would have no choice but to ask for help. But within that, I would end up asking for help from people who relish in having power over others in a vulnerable space. Because that's the real tea. You lose your ability to properly discern what's best for you in times of crisis because you're desperate. It's like a payday loan. I mean, think about it, right? So your lights are about to get cut off. Your baby's school gotta be paid. The phone bill, whatever, right? So you, you know, you go and you borrow against your own money right quick. Because, well, shit, you gotta pay these bills tomorrow. Bill collector don't care what's going on. And then you end up paying 200 to 400% interest on your own money. All because you were desperate. So going back to underlying conditions, there is a breaking point. A point when you absolutely do know that you have to do something different. Otherwise, you're going to end up with the same results as the last time. And a lot of times, that breaking point is fully centered in paying attention to the underlying condition. Take your nails, for example. You got them done. And on day three, you accidentally stub your finger and hit your nail. And it hurts like hell. What do you do? You wait for the pain to subside. But you go on about your life 
especially if the nail didn't physically break on the outside, without ever taking the nail off to see if your natural nail was damaged. Because, well, shit, you just got your shits done. You ain't taking off any acrylic or gel because uh, what do you look like with non-nails on day four? Hello. And you don't have time to get your shit fixed. So, and maybe nothing happened to your nail ultimately. Maybe the pain was temporary and the nail is fine. That's beautiful if that's the case. But how often do you eventually get back to the salon only to realize that you totally fucked up your nail underneath? See what I mean? Emotional damage is no different in this way. But so many of us choose to avoid the real fix. Because opening up the wound to properly heal it? Hard as fuck. We'd rather remain more broken and it makes me sad more than you know because now that I'm going through the healing process myself I can see how beautiful getting to the other side will be now that I've gotten through the rougher parts journey not destination Gosh, I could really go on and on about this one. And I want to actually tie this topic back into the divine feminine and masculine. Yes, it keeps coming up. Yes, I promise it's coming that episode. But in the meantime, in between time, best of me, amores. (laughs) 